This is Beat the Closing Line with Nicole, Mo, and Eli. Hey everyone, welcome back to Beat the Closing Line. I am your host, Nicole Russo, alongside resident NFL analyst for thelines.com, Eli Hershkovich and Mo Nawara. We hope you all had a wonderful holiday season and new year with your family. Now, before we get into today's show, we want to say that Damar Hamlin, his family, friends, and his teammates are in our thoughts. We will be talking about the week 18 games, but we do know that this is an absolutely horrible tragedy and we are hoping that he pulls together and pulls through and we just have all of his family, teammates and friends in our thoughts and prayers. We did get a statement from the NFL that the week 18 schedule is not going to be changed. So we are going to take a look at some of those games and discuss opening lines and bets that we like for those. But before we jump into that, did you guys make any bets last week and how did they go? Eli, we'll start with you. Yeah, one bet for me did not go well. Simple answer. (laughs) I have the Jets laying one and a half on the road at Seattle, and that had no chance from the opening kick. So not a good week 17 for me, and I'll pass it back to you, Nicole. <laughs> you don't want to pass it to Mo? He might have had a good he might have had a good week last week. I'll let you do the honors. <laughs> Go ahead, Mo. <laughs> I had a good week partially <laughs> because I was on the other side of that one. Uh didn't have the guts to uh take the plus one and a half or whatever it was. So I, I threw the Seahawks in a teaser that one, thankfully. Um, other than that, it was mostly a good news for me. Uh, very many bets on the Cardinals. I think I had the Cardinals at just about every available number. So I took the Cardinals early. I took the Cardinals when it was plus three and a half. And then I took the Cardinals again when it was plus six and a half. I just couldn't, couldn't stand by, uh, Desmond Ritter laying six and a half points in an NFL game. So that worked out well for me. (laughs) All right. Now we're going to move on to the final regular season week of the NFL. I can't believe we have made it this far, you two. But uh, we're kicking things off with the Titans and the Jags. These two teams are facing off with a division title on the line. The Jags are coming off of their fourth win in a row, while the Titans have been dealing with quarterback injuries, suffering six straight losses. Now, Dobbs will start this week against Jacksonville. Eli, you like the Titans plus six and a half here. Yeah, and if you go back to last week, I think Dobbs, even though the Titans didn't cover in that game, and now Mike Vrabel 21-9-1 against the spread as a dog of three points or more, which is definitely significant, and I'll get into that in a second, but Titans didn't cover against Dallas with Dobbs under center, but I think Mo would agree that Dobbs is still an upgrade over Malik Willis, and then obviously you don't have Ryan Tannehill starting at quarterback, but a below-average dropback EPA and dropback success rate this season. So while Dobbs is a downgrade from Tannehill, still an upgrade from the rookie who was first taking the place of Ryan Tannehill midway or just about midway through the season. But I mentioned the against the spread trend, quote unquote trend for Vrabel as a dog of three points or more. And I think it's meaningful for this game because the way the Titans cover those games is they run the ball and they milk the clock. And if you look at Derrick Henry not playing last week, a bunch of other Titans defensive pieces also not suiting up against the Cowboys. But first and foremost, Henry will be well-rested for this game. The Jags have the 14th-rated rush DVOA defensively, and it's fifth-rated when it comes to unadjusted rushing defensive metrics. So why is that the case? Because they're 25th in defensive variance. So they don't play well against 
better competition against the run. And I do think the Titans are able to take advantage on the ground with Henry. Tennessee also ranks dead last in the NFL in pace in neutral situations. So similar to the notion that I brought up, you run the ball with Henry, you milk the clock, you keep Trevor Lawrence and an explosive Jags passing attack, which I believe had over 8.0 yards per attempt against the Titans in their first matchup where the Jags covered as, I want to say, three and a half point road dogs on at Tennessee. And then I mentioned the Titans' defensive pieces that will be back this week, Jeffrey Simmons, Imani Hooker, Bud Dupree, Zach Cunningham, all didn't play in that Week 17 loss to the Cowboys. As much as this Jags offense has taken a step with Trevor Lawrence, and you think about what he did against the Titans again going back to Week 14, if Tennessee can run the ball effectively and milk this clock, I do think the Titans at least keep this thing within a possession. So that's why I bet Tennessee plus 6.5. Are you worried about Derrick Henry's hip at all going into this game? It definitely plays a role, but I also think last week, more or less, I mean, the hip definitely had an impact, but I still think that was a rest situation where Tennessee, they knew they, going into this game, had to win at Jacksonville. So it's concerning, but I do think you still see an effect of Henry on Sunday, or Saturday night, I should say. Mo, what do you think on this one? Well, I sure hope Eli's right. Uh, middle of the season, everything was looking golden for the Titans. I didn't think the markets quite reflected how far ahead the Titans were in the division. So I took them in some early and middle parts of the season. I took some Titans futures. It got up to minus 1,200 at one point, I think. So I was like, all right, we, we probably won't need to sweat this one. Now I'm uh, like plus 200 to get there. So uh, yeah, pretty painful to, to run into this spot. But I honestly like... Um, the the like logical part of my mind that thinks about all the stuff I've been seeing on the field thinks that the Titans should be at least plus seven here, maybe even plus seven and a half. The Jags have just been playing so well and the Titans just look so bad. But just everything Eli's saying about Vrabel is just always going to be sticking in the back of my mind here. I think it's real. I mean, I think he has a legitimate ability to like get his team up for these games where like the market, the people, the pundits, and nobody believes in them. I think it's there's something to it, man. I it's really like do. Mike like, Tomlin. Yeah, I really think he has some type of ability <laughs> to get his team to play better in these spots. And, and we're going to see a kitchen sink game from from the Titans, right? They're going to pull out everything they can. They're going to have an incredible effort by their defense. And uh, so there's just absolutely no way I would actually lay the points, uh, in this spot. And yeah, I mean, dude, Dobbs was kind of moving the ball. I mean, he's not the worst ever. I think anyone you can pull off of any practice squad, which is basically what happened here is honestly going to be better than Malik Willis. I mean, <laughs> 17 first downs against the Cowboys, seven of 16 on third down. Th- this wasn't the worst ever. They kind of got sank by 10 penalties for 124. So it-, it seems like something they should be able to clean up and, and, yeah, I, I think Dobbs is going to be a legitimate upgrade on, on Malik Willis. I, I think that's like pretty much anyone you can get. And and, and Dobbs didn't embarrass himself. Just pull Just someone wh- out of the stands at this point, And Mo says that they're better than Malik He's Willis. that bad. I mean, I never, <laughs> I don't know. I, I get like why they picked him where they did. I think it was fine to be clear, even though I wasn't excited about him as a prospect, but like, just to have him fall in the draft, whatever, you're just throwing a dart at that point anyway. That pick's not that likely to produce huge value. So I completely understand the pick. But 
I just wouldn't expect good things for sure right now. And just one last note too, Henry was seen practicing on Thursday. So good sign if yeah. you want to back the Titans earlier in the week. All right, next up, we're back on a Washington Commanders bandwagon. I know it's a shocker for those of you <laughs> out there because we just, it wouldn't be a beat the closing line episode if we weren't on Washington. Now the Commanders will take on the Cowboys this weekend. They are officially out of playoff contention after their week 17 loss. And Dallas is still fighting to put themselves in contention for the number one seed in the NFC. But Mo, without anything to play for, you think that the commanders can keep it close and you like them as four and a half point dogs here. Yeah. A little bit of a theme for me this week. I have many wagers on teams that theoretically have nothing to play for. I think we've seen in, in the past though, these lines tend to get inflated that that tends to get over like overvalued by, by a lot of the market, I guess. Um, yeah. Washington eliminated much to the surprise of Ron Rivera. I don't want to dump on Ron though. I, I think like whatever. Like I think that's just like irrelevant. He I mean, did. He's just going to try to get his team ready to win, and who cares, right? Like if they lose, I mean that's not what he's worried about. He has to get his team ready to win. He can't worry about other scenarios of other teams. He did comment but, on it, but you probably should know what you need yeah. to either make or yeah, not I mean, make the playoffs. He's he's just worried about winning the game, yeah. which is I what like he Ron. should be. I'm just saying you probably and yeah, like speaking of Ron, I think that's another situation similar to Mike Vrabel. This is a team that I think we can definitely count on to come out and put out a professional effort. If this was, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, Nathaniel Hackett, one of these dusty coaches, <laughs> I'd feel different. I, it's not just like I'm not just always betting these teams, but I, I think, you know, we've seen the players love Ron, all of his players you know, they're always behind him, multiple teams now. They're going to play hard for him. And I, I think we can count on that here. And we're facing a Cowboys offense that's, I mean, they're moving the ball. Like the efficiency, yards, yards per play, it looks good. But Dak's been pretty bad for multiple weeks now. Seven picks, 11 sacks the past four games. Just a lot of like negative plays. And I, I think in this matchup, uh, playing outside against a tough defense, I'm not really expecting things to look a whole lot better. I mean, Washington is very strong up front. I, I think that's key here against Dallas. We've talked about on the show multiple times since Eli brought it up several weeks ago. Since losing Terrence Steele, this line just hasn't been as good. Tyron Smith kind of working his way back. Doesn't look like himself. Uh, PFF grades have... Tyron playing right tackle right now and Jason Peters as one of the worst tackle pairings in the league, um, which makes sense to me. I mean, given how much of Dak Prescott's play we've seen basically be tied to how good the line is in front of him when that's not like pristine, he's not usually able to be that great of a quarterback and facing Washington's elite front seven, um, you know, seventh in pressure rate. I, I think he's going to be under a lot of heat here and I don't expect a great game from him and the market really doesn't either. I mean, low total of 41. So that makes me even more inclined to take Washington. So I did take Washington plus four and a half. Unfortunately, it's plus five and a half now. So, Hey, you can get a better number than I got. <laughs> I know five isn't likely to be like too important of a number, obviously, but, um, you you can get a little more value than I got. And and I think one more sneaky thing about this game, Philly playing at the same time, huge favorites against a Giants team. 
This is a team, okay, that has nothing to play for that I know is going to rest guys and not play their best, okay? So I could see Philly. I mean, obviously, Philly, the market thinks they're going to be a big. If they are a big, say it's like 24-0, 24-3, something like that at half. I think there's a chance we could see Dallas pull the plug here. I mean, why would you risk injury and just like have your guys come out in the second half? So um, I'd also be looking for a potentially live spot, like see if you can grab commander second half uh, here, no matter really what the situation is in that game. If Philly is up big on Dallas, I don't know how much scoreboard watching they're going to do, but I feel like when, I feel like when players health is like, you know, potentially at risk there, I, I don't see why you would play your guys. I, I don't want to give Dallas credit for being sharp when I think this is something that a forward thinking smart organization would do. I don't want to know if I, I don't know if I should give Dallas that much credit, but I feel like it's something they should be doing for sure. Eli, you are a little bit on the fence with this one. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah. Just to first give Mo some positive thoughts here before <laughs> I decide to say why I'm not going to take the commanders to his point about inflated lines in the final week of the regular season, if you go back to the perfect example last season was when the Colts had to win that week 18 game in Jacksonville, they were 15 and a half point favorites and the Jags win that game outright comfortably. So granted, it's not like Dallas is fighting for their playoff lives here and you're getting a, a motivated Washington team that can knock them out of playoff contention. But to most point, you do sometimes get inflated lines. But with that being said, I am not backing this commander's offense. I am not doing what I did for much of the first half of the NFL season. I will let Mo handle the commander's <laughs> bet and, and happily sit on the sideline for this game. Handing off the baton. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U S sports books all in one place. And join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. All right, guys, moving in to our third game of this week's slate. We have the Miami Dolphins who are facing the New York Jets and their quarterback situation is completely up in the air. You have Tua who remains in concussion protocol. Teddy Bridgewater is dealing with an injured finger, leaving Skylar Thompson to potentially lead the team. Now, this is a must win spot for the Dolphins, but the Jets have done very well against backup quarterbacks this season and their defense has remained pretty solid. Mo, why do you like the Jets in this spot as plus one or one point underdogs? Well, I've talked a little bit in the past about how I see the backup quarterback situation. In general, usually I'm looking to back backup quarterbacks that I think are above a threshold where you can operate an NFL offense and be productive and and just be fine out there. Like I don't think you need greatness at the quarterback position to cover in most cases in the NFL, but you need competence, okay? <laughs> Once you hit a certain bar of competence, I'm usually believing in you because the market is usually overreacting the other way. But 
when a quarterback is below the threshold where I think they can operate an NFL offense, well, that's what I think is happening here, basically, <laughs> with Skylar Thompson. Uh, I think he's going to be playing here for the Dolphins. The quotes they've said, obviously, like we've seen them say to a quote, not in their plans. We can basically cross him off permanent marker. He's not playing this week. Um, Teddy Bridgewater is iffy. Sounds like he may have broken his finger. If that's the case, I don't think he's going to be able to play through an injury like that. They said that he couldn't get a grip on the ball on the sideline. I don't know if that's going to change in a week. So I'm basically expecting Skylar Thompson. And unlike Joshua Dobbs, who was able to like move the ball for a lot of that game and some of these other backup quarterbacks we've seen, not so much with Skylar Thompson. Uh, and he, and we shouldn't expect a seventh round rookie. I mean, not everyone can just come out and Brock Purdy it up and just marched up and down the field from the second they get on the field. In fact, most guys can't. Okay. And Skylar Thompson looks like what most seventh round rookies are going to look like. He's completing a dismal 54% of his passes, one touchdown, three picks in college. He made a lot of his bacon running. Uh, he was a really good, uh, runner of the ball, uh, and, and just not happening at all in the pros, 11 rushes for 18 yards. Um, he piloted four drives in that last game. It went interception, which admittedly wasn't his fault, but Hey, it was third and 14 from like the 40. So yeah, I don't know if they were scoring there anyway. Um, four and out turnover on downs there, um, uh, punt. And then they finally scored a touchdown against just absolute prevent D the Patriots were up nine with like, you know, three minutes left, whatever. They just wanted to make sure the clock got blood. They did not care if they allowed a touchdown with 10 seconds left, which is basically what happened. A lot of guys in the discord were very disappointed by this result. I was not, um, since I had the dolphins, but yeah, I, I just don't think Skylar Thompson has any business starting an NFL game. I am continuing to be surprised that they haven't gotten a Joshua Dobbs type of veteran off the street. They tried to, to work out a couple guys already. It sounds like Kyle Laletta and Jack Cohn. These guys are literally in XFL contract, I think, in um, Cone's case. And I want to say USFL contract was the last thing I saw on Kyle Aletta's resume. Okay. I don't know if these guys meet the threshold either. In fact, I would guess they don't. And yeah, a guy like that against this Jets defense, they're top 10 in defense DVOA, top 10 in EPA allowed. I think this is going to be a pretty ugly game from the Dolphins. We already saw them get pasted. Skylar Thompson was the was the one who came in in the previous game, and they got just destroyed, forty to seventeen, by the Jets. And that was with Zach Wilson at quarterback. Biggest problem I've been seeing with the Jets when I'm watching them is their offensive line has been really, really bad. Mike White's got no time to do anything, but I'm, the Dolphins have a mediocre eighteenth uh, in pressure rate. I, I don't think he's going to look quite as bad this week. So. Um, yeah, I, I do like the Jets here. And I think this has the potential to close like Jets minus three, something like that. This could be a situation like the Cardinals last week where we saw the line moving a lot when different quarterbacks were expected to be the starter for the Cardinals. And and if the market sees, okay, yes, it's Skylar Thompson, we could see a lot of movement towards Jets here, I think. Yeah, good point. We do not know. They have not announced who the starting quarterback is going to be. And Eli, I know the quarterback situation is factoring heavily into your decision to probably stay off this game. 
Yeah, and then to most point to this Jets pass defense is top 10, even top five in some categories. So if it's Skylar Thompson, good luck to him. <laughs> On the flip side, though, this Jets offense is just one that I thought I could trust in Seattle with the upgrade to Mike White, potentially or theoretically healthy against the Seahawks. Didn't work out. Couldn't put up a touchdown. Turnovers didn't help. Poor decision-making didn't help in that game either. So even though this is a very exploitable Dolphins defense with some key secondary injuries, still a game I want to stay off. All right, guys, last but not least for this week, we have the Packers and the Lions. Now, the the Packers will secure the NFC wildcard spot with a win against the Lions here. But if the Lions win and the Seahawks lose, Detroit is in. I always love like all those different scenarios. I feel like I need a map. That's kind of where my Steelers are right now. <laughs> like if the Steelers win, the Seahawks lose, the Jets wins, but whatever. That That's the scenario for those two teams. Right now, the total for this game is sitting at 49 and a half. Eli, you like the under here. Yeah, and just to go back to your Steelers, I think Mo put it in our Discord channel that he's on the Browns. So, hate to break it to you, Nicole, but you and Mo are going to kind of go head-to-head in that one since you'll be rooting for Pittsburgh to make the playoffs. But with the Packers and Lions under, like you mentioned, Green Bay winning in, Detroit needs some help. And if you go back to the Week 9 game where Detroit won against the Packers at home 15-9, to Rodgers and this Packers offense went 0-4 in the red zone. Now, I was on Detroit, I think I want to say is, Four-point home dog, so definitely benefited from a poor execution from a Packers offense that was reeling in the red zone, but also just overall. But when Green Bay is most effective, they're doing it on the ground. They have a top 10 rushing percentage in terms of play calling over the last three weeks. And Detroit, bottom five in the NFL in defensive rushing EPA and defensive rushing success rate. So if Green Bay can utilize Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon successfully, and the Packers also have that bottom four pace. So similar to the Titans, Green Bay bottom four in the NFL in pace in neutral situations. You run the ball, you milk clock, you make Detroit play with a negative game script, and that's where Jared Goff and this Lions offense is at its worst against an above-average Packers secondary. So with all that in mind, I think this game goes under 49 and a half and I would bet it down to 49. Be sure to check out our discord channel. Like I mentioned over at the lines.com from, for more bets from Mo and I, especially on that Steelers game, Nicole, I might have to back the Browns. I apologize. <laughs> All this talk about Tomlin and the players rally around Tomlin. And, and <laughs> now we're back in the Browns. Okay. I see how it is. They're the ones laying points. <laughs> Right, right. They're not dogs. They're not dogs. That's true. Yeah, I always say, like, I don't care if the other team covers as long as we win. I mean, the Steelers, I don't think I've had a win over a few points, like, the whole season. I don't care if the Browns cover, if the Steelers win. I could care less. Congratulations <laughs> to the two of you winning your bets. Um, <laughs> but, Mo, you, you are not looking at the under here. You're actually taking a look at the spread. So talk us through this one. Yeah, I like the Lions quite a bit here, actually. Uh, four and a half. I think this line is kind of insane. Then again, I kind of thought that last week, too, had the Vikings there. Um, but, yeah, kind of the same situation where I just don't see the Packers being multiple points better than the Lions. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to dump on the Packers win streak and, like, call it fraudulent exactly. But, like, when you just look at because it's not. You know, winning NFL games, multiple games in a row is is strong. But that being said, you know, they beat the Bears. 
They beat the Rams. These are sad sack bottom five teams. The Dolphins, uh, that's obviously a good win, but that they were also they were outgained very significantly in that game. Um, and basically, let's be honest, I hate to like make it like a concussion, you know, blame an injury thing, but they played a concussed quarterback for like over a half there. Okay. Um, and then, you know, the Vikings game, dominant win, but four, 14 non-offensive points, basically snap of a finger in the first quarter. So that was just never a game really. Uh, I, I think they're probably getting too much credit from the market for, for this win streak. Um, <clears throat> but my only concern here basically is we've seen the home road splits, Jared Goff playing outdoors in the cold makes me a little nervous. That's why I'm not going to take any money line here. I'm going to take the points. Um, but then again, that also jives with what Eli thinks, which is uh, <clears throat> looking for an underplay here, which makes sense to me in a spot where we don't expect the Lions offense to be at their best. Um, that being said, he he did play better the last couple times, though. Uh, Jets game, uh, obviously they didn't score a ton of points in that game, but he did produce fairly efficiently um against a good defense obviously and and the panthers game he, he was actually pretty good against the panthers they lost that game because of their defense so uh it, a lot of it depends on just how how jared goff plays here but um yeah i i would think i would lean under generally just because of his record in these sorts of games uh but i definitely do like uh, the the lions here all right guys Thank you for joining us again. I know we had a little hiatus for the holidays. We're rested and ready to get back into it. It's nice to be back. I can't believe we're about to head into the postseason pretty soon. If you are wagering this weekend, good luck with your bets and we will see you next week.